You're listening to Confident Chaos Podcast with Dr. Tiffany and lawyer Lisa. Listen as we talk about anything and everything that you know to be your truth. On this week's episode, guys, we have another guest. So we brought on another doctor, Dr. Connie Wong Kitty Rock. She's a board certified dermatologist, and she's here to answer all of our questions in regards to skincare, what type of surgery you know you should do on your skin as a dermatologist. And also we touch a little bit upon going back to a prior episode about an expert in a field and what you should be looking for when it comes to your skin and how to take the best care of you. This is for women and men. Tune in. Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode 18, Confident Chaos Podcast. Dr. Tiffany and I are very excited today. We have brought to you our third guest, and today we have Dr. Connie Wong Kitty Rock, board certified dermatologist. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you for having us. I'm excited to be here. We have so many questions for you about all things skin related. And I want to make sure that I first start out by introducing all of your specialties and all of your recognitions, because I know you've spent a lot of time and effort getting to these places in your life. So everyone, Dr. Connie is a fellow of the American Academy of Dermatology. She's a fellow of the American Academy of Osteopathic, the Board of Dermatology. She is also a fellow of the American Society of Mohs Surgery, which she's going to tell us all about that. And she has a master's degree and a DO. Did I leave anything out? I think that that pretty much sums it up. Thank you. That's my friend. (laughs) So, Dr. (laughs) Tiffany, we have one of your buddies on today talking about skin. What do you think about this? What do I mean, I'm super happy Connie's on. So Connie works with uh, Matt, who's also a great friend of mine. They're business partners, right, Connie? Right. Yeah. So they have a dermatology practice here in Fort Lauderdale. Booming, booming, booming. Beautiful office. And so Connie um, is kind of my go-to dermatologist for referrals, and she's also a Mohs surgeon, which I'll let her talk about in a second, kind of subspecialty of dermatology, right, Connie? Yep. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I I think my burning question that I think everyone wants to know is, when we had Hannah on, Lisa, we were talking about what's the one tip kind of she should give everyone when it comes to fitness. So the one question I have for Connie is if you had to pick one thing for people to do to take care of their skin, and I feel like I already know what you're going to say, but what would you tell them? Men and women. This is for everyone, guys, by the way. This is for everybody. Sunscreen. Oh, boom, boom, boom. I actually thought she was going to say a retinol. <laughs> oh, really? You didn't even, you didn't even like skip a beat. That well, just came right out. Tell us why. So people need three things, really, um, in terms of baseline maintenance. Number one is a good sunscreen because the sun breaks down collagen and over time will give you that weathered, sun-damaged look. We always recommend sunscreen on the head and neck also, especially here in Florida, um, because getting a skin cancer on your face is different than getting on on your forearm. So we want to make sure that we're protecting ourselves when we're out there. Um, The second thing that a woman needs or a man needs is a retinol. Boom. Uh, So retinols were originally developed for acne, um, so they're a little irritating to the skin. But if you think about them being developed for acne, they target your oil glands. And so the smaller or the less active those oil glands are, the smaller your pores appear. Um, Retinols also increase cell turnover, almost inducing a micro peel at the the microscopic level for your skin. So you're always kind of remolding and remodeling that collagen. Retinols have actually been shown to be the only anti-wrinkle cream that's been proven to remold and remodel collagen. And then last but not least is Botox. Um, You know, Botox gets kind of a bad name 
Botox nowadays. is on your list. I like that. <laughs> of course. Botox, more than anything, is preventative. So if you don't have lines, it will prevent you from forming them. If you have lines, it will soften them and more than anything, prevent them from getting deeper. So Botox really shouldn't change the way you look. It shouldn't make you look unnatural or fake or done. Um, it should make you look refreshed, um, you know, rejuvenated and like a a better version of you. Girl, let me tell you. So <laughs> we have a lot to say. I got, a lot, I got a lot to say. So I, you know, I've been getting both, you know, this. I've been getting yes. Botox since I was like 24 probably and I'm 35. So, and everyone always says that I look younger than who I am, but I'm going to tell you, I think it's because I never go in the sun ever. And when I do, I'm like SPF 1000. And I've been getting Botox because I have bad smile lines around my eyes because I smile all the time. And I don't have the one in between my eyes because I never really grimace, but whatever. So, but my line that I tell Lisa is what bothers me when people overdo the facial aesthetics is I feel like not only do you not look younger and not only do you not look your age, I feel like when you overdo it, you actually look older trying to look younger. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. Like you look like, like I would look like a 40-year-old trying to look 35 instead of just looking like a 35-year-old. Absolutely. The, the, the purpose of fillers, um, so Botox is different from fillers, but the, the purpose of fillers is to revolumize in areas where we've lost volume. So we lose bone as we mature in age, women more than men, but men too. Um, we lose fat as we age, and as we start to start to resorb those um, compounds, there's not enough structure to hold up our now sagging skin. And so the idea of revolumizing with fillers is to restore the normal proportions of, you know, a, a, an aesthetically beautiful face. Um, now, when you start to overdo it or you chase lines that were never really there, then you start to distort those proportions, and that's when people start to look abnormal or done or even older than, you know, which defeats the purpose of getting the filler done in the first place. So I, sorry, Lisa, I'm like, I'm like, I'm it's jumping okay. all in. I'm, I'm all in. My thoughts. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about this, okay. so, but I'm going to let Tiffany talk first. Do you agree For then? For once. What, <laughs> what, what bothers me is I, you know, like how we talk about topography of a map, like a, you know, topography map, so you know what, what the altitude is of certain things. I always tell people your face should have topography. <laughs> like, you know, like your lips need to be somewhere. Your nose should be farther out. Your forehead should be out a little bit. Under your eyes is lower. Your cheekbones are high. Like, they're neat. I feel like when people start overdoing fillers, they lose the topography of their face. And they look like they got hit in the face with a pan. Absolutely. So that can happen. And, you know, people focus a lot about what filler it is that they're using. And different fillers have different properties. Um, but a lot of it is the injector. And your injector should have the same beauty ideal as you have. Yes. And that's why I go to you and Matt. Thank you. That's all my questions. <laughs> okay. For the whole podcast? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> just, okay. just about facial topography. Oh, okay. All right. So let me, let me back up for a moment. Sure. So you mentioned that when a client, uh, I'm saying client, I'm used to client in my world. When a patient comes in, and let's assume that they are coming in and they're coming in for a first consultation because they're unhappy with some feature of their face. My question is, as a brand new patient, how do you and Dr. Zaraga and your staff try to evaluate the patient's needs? Because I'm sure people come in and they say, oh, I want to look like this or I want that. And it's completely not appropriate for their face. How do you handle those type of 
issues. Does that make sense, what I'm asking? Absolutely. I think it's like it, unrealistic expectations. I think it, it, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's about setting realistic expectations for the patient. So, you know, let's, for example, let's say acne. A patient with acne comes in, has acne, acne scarring, and the post-inflammatory erythema that results in like the redness on the face after the acne leaves. Got it. Okay. They want all three fixed. They want it done tomorrow. <laughs> I love um, that. <laughs> tomorrow deadline. And I can understand why, because I suffered from acne as a kid as well. And so I understand, you know, how debilitating that can be. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just about educating the patient and letting them know the first part is to get the acne under control, you know, and what works for person X might not work for person Y. And, you know, sometimes we need to try different things and it's going to be a process. And then, you know, once we have your acne under control, then we'll deal with pigmentation issues and, and even out the skin tone and complexion of your skin. Once we have that under control, then we talk about acne scarring, the texture of the skin, the divots that are left, anything like that comes last. Um, and, you know, a lot of times patients want, they, they don't realize that the pigmentation might bother them more than the acne scarring or vice versa. But it's just kind of explaining the process to them, um, establishing rapport with them, making sure that they know that you have a plan for them moving forward. And if you don't, you know, this, this, we can try this, or this can be a backup plan. We're not, we're human, you know, we're doctors, but we're, we're still fallible. And, you know, like I said, maybe one treatment might not be the right treatment for this person, but the right treatment for another. Um, but, I think in the end of it, I think it's just talking to the patient, making sure they feel confident in their care that they're receiving, um, you know, and that they that they have a plan, a realistic plan and a realistic goal for themselves. Are you able to diffuse some of these people that come in like that want like over fillers and they you know, you probably know doing this long enough that what they're requesting is going to make them look terrible. Do you ever have that happen? Absolutely. And I think that's kind of just about, again, you know, I, I typically in my consultations will give the patient a mirror and I will ask them to point out what bothers them physically on their face. And, you know, if they're pointing to their lips, but their lips look fine, it's just that their folds are a little heavy. Then, you know, I redirect and suggest that maybe if we revolumize in this area, you know, and, and that perhaps adding more volume to the lips is going to make them look you know, done and we want, you know, more of a natural look. And so, you know, patients typically will take that input and, and, you know, at the end they can do what they want with it. But I think that they do value our expertise. I I think Instagram is to blame and their stupid filters. Oh, yeah. All the filters that, yeah, that's true. You like, can make no your one face wakes look like up anything like What are you like talking that? about? I have perfect skin. No, nobody, <laughs> nobody wakes up. You know, look, and I, like, to, to my own credit, I mean, I, I actually do have good skin, I think. You know, like, I, I, you know, I always have had good skin. I was just genetically blessed with good skin. But shit, I mean, I've got dark circles under my eyes, and I don't wake up looking like that, and I've got good skin. So, I mean, nobody looks like that, people. No. Stop. No, nobody does. I, yeah. I, I tell all my patients, you're your worst critic. And so, you know, this is why I love what I do because you're able to take someone who doesn't feel great about themselves or, you know, looks in the mirror and feels ashamed and you can give them some, you can give them 
something different. I felt that way. I, I was never into plastic surgery, and after I, uh, you know, breastfed my son, uh, my, you know, I, I didn't like what I saw in the mirror, and at that point I decided to get an augmentation, and for me it was absolutely the right decision. And I think that, that that's all patient-dependent, um, and when they're ready to do something for them that's special for them so that they can, make, they can feel good about themselves, then I think, that, I think that's powerful. You also mentioned the injector, that sometimes it has to do with the injector. You're talking about the actual, the physician that is injecting whatever the product is Absolutely. into the skin? Absolutely. It, it does take skill. Um, you know, I, uh, I always say, you know, it's not, it's your face. It's not, <laughs> your you face. know, it's, You're not getting yeah, another one. Yeah, it's, it's better not to a start pedicure. low, right? Yeah, so, you, you know, you won't, yeah, you know, we start, we start slow, you know, we, um, we show the patient kind of, you know, what kind of results they can achieve. We don't want anyone to walk out looking like a different person um, than what they walked in looking like, um, you know, and, and sometimes the, the, the goals that we have do take um, multiple steps, and as long as the patient knows that, I think they're on board. So tell Lisa, because I know, right? But I want you to tell Lisa and tell the audience. So we talked about all the aesthetic stuff, which I'm going to circle back to in a little bit because I got some of my own personal questions. But what Mohs surgery is? So Mohs is a tissue-sparing technique um, often reserved for tumors, uh, skin cancers, on the head and neck um, or in, like, cosmetically sensitive areas. So if there was normally a tumor on your forearm, we would take four-millimeter margins all around it send it to the lab, make sure that we got all the margins, and then put in stitches. Um, four millimeter margins on your forearm might not be that big of a deal, but four millimeter margins on your nose or on your ear or on your cheek or on your eyelid um, can be a big deal. So Mose allows us to go layer by layer. We have a lab on site at Xerox Dermatology, and um, we, uh, we process the tissue. Um, I look at it underneath the microscope, and... If you think of it like a clock, let's say it's positive at 3 o'clock, then I'll go back between 2 and 4, and we keep doing that until we get clear margins. And once we get clear margins, we close the patient in the most cosmetically sensitive way. Um, sometimes it does require a little bit of reconstruction. And you do that in the office, or does that happen at the hospital? We do it in the office. We have a lab on site, and, and I take a look at the micros- underneath the microscope. So she's a dermatologic surgeon also. So you're doing surgery so. in your office? Yes, yeah. And when you're talking about, um, I was a little confused, so maybe some other people are. You're talking about formula margins? Are those actual layers of the skin that are being removed? So they're millimeter margins. Oh, millimeter. Millimeter margins. So let's say we have a one centimeter in diameter lesion. If we take four millimeter margins all around it, that's adding 0.8 to the, now, now that one centimeter circle becomes a 1.8 centimeter circle, you know? I got you. Yeah. And you just keep removing that section until you said it's so with, positive or negative. So with, I was confused. Yeah, so with Mohs, we're able to go layer by layer, one millimeter at a time, check the tissue underneath the microscope, map it in real time, and follow it. So once we get clear margins, then we know that the, the tumor is gone. That's amazing. Yeah, so instead of, so I think what she's trying to say, so instead of, um, you know, like she said, something on your forearm, and you just kind of like hack out four millimeters on each side. Here, she takes it slice by slice, looks under a microscope, comes back, it's not clear, slice again, comes back, it's not clear. So you get 
more of an aesthetically pleasing result instead of just hacking away four millimeters on each side. And it's live, so you're live. able to physically watch how the face is interacting as you're taking that area of the skin off, right? Absolutely, yeah, and, and all of that goes into like closure and reconstruction uh, considerations as well. So I think I think it's important to note then that, and I think people should know this, that not every dermatologist does this. I mean, this is a this is a kind of a subspecialty of what you do. Correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. What is the primary reason for that? Is it usually tumors on the face? Um, well, most surgery is kind of the gold standard for tumors on the head and neck, where tissue sparing is is a, a primary concern. Um, it also has an over ninety nine percent cure rate because we're able to map and follow that tumor in real time underneath the microscope. Um, so, you know, it just increases our chances of making sure we've cleared all the, the cancer cells and that the patient can be, you know, closed up in, re in anything reconstructed and not have to worry about a tumor recurring in that area. How long does that usually take? Is that like hours? Is that like a day? It can take hours depending on how many stages it goes. If I get it on the first you know, on the first um, stage, then we put in stitches and, and the patient receives post-care instructions and some um, medications and goes home. If the tumor is more invasive than what I can tell on the surface, we've had to go seven or eight stages before. I went out with oh, you one wow. night after that. I remember she looked exhausted. She's like, I just got out of the office. It was like seven o'clock. I'm like, what happened? She's like, I had a Mose at like 3.30 and it kept going and going wow. and going and going. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering, how, that billing, how does that work? Do you bill for each stage or is it like one thing? No, it's per stage. Oh, thank God. Okay, good. <laughs> Jesus. God. Yeah. But tumors on the head and neck can be aggressive and that's why, you know. Well, it's the most sun exposure. Right. And so, and it, and it also has something to do with our embryonic fusion planes, but it, uh, you know, it, it's prudent to, to have a technique where you can microscopically follow that tumor. Now, is the patient under any type of local anesthesia or anything like that at the time? Absolutely. They're under local anesthesia. They're awake, comfortable. They, they feel a little pressure, but they don't feel any pain whatsoever. Medical marijuana. Maybe that's a good time for to... <laughs> Give them an edible or something while they're going through that. Is that allowed, or would that mess oh up the God. process? That <laughs> might set off our now smoke I'm start detectors. Talking, now, now I'm going to start talking about the the little uh, benzo I had to get after before my LASIK surgery. I was like high as a kite because I'd never had anything in my life, and I'm like, oh what gosh. is this? Oh my God. Um, well, we talked about medical marijuana last week, so yeah. I would think that would be a good reason to do it. I'm not talking <laughs> about like lighting a bong or anything. I'm talking about like maybe eating an edible, a gummy or something, you know. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. There's other ways, Tiffany, of getting marijuana in your system I don't know besides what you're talking smoking about. it. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well, you should listen to episode 17. <laughs> Dr. Tiffany was with me on that show. I have a question for you. Sure. I, we talked about this um, with the, Dr. Lozada that was on. What inspired you to get into this area of medicine? Well, I think I mentioned before that I had acne as a kid, and I know it sounds silly, but acne can really take a toll on you know, an adolescent's life, even a young, you know, female in her 30s. I mean, it's your face. It's what you present to the world. And when you don't feel confident about it, 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 it impacts the way that you interact with other people, the way that you, your internal dialogue with yourself even. So, you know, for me, it, dermatology was something that, there's so many different facets. You can go into pediatrics, you can go into pathology, you can go into surgery, you can do cosmetics, you can do pretty much anything subspecialty. And it allows, you know, surgery, um, you know, cosmetics, um, 
medical dermatology, and it, you're able to make patients better. Um, I, when I started med school, I have so I give so much credit to, to the docs that are in the ICU and and you know working with these you know really sick patients. For me, that I wanted something where I could. I felt like I could make a difference on the daily level. Um, and so once I did dermatology, I knew right away that it was what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. That's really neat. So it's that positive feedback that you get from the patient as they literally walk out. Yeah, you know, dermatology. Or even walk in sometimes, I'm sure. Yeah, dermatology is kind of the mix. You have a little bit of surgery. You have a little bit of family medicine because you really get to know your patients. I mean, I see... I have, you know, multiple couples and now their kids see me and their kids' kids see me. And it's just, it's kind of neat to, to, to follow these patients and, and develop a rapport and relationship with them. It's really neat. I, I think a lot of times as patients, you miss that, you know, sometimes it's hard. I mean, I've been through all kinds of issues with myself, my husband, my family, my kids, you know, and I think sometimes you can lose sight of that as far as why a doctor gets into the field that they're in. And some doctors just, I'm going to say it, they're just not good at what they do and they think they're good. And they're just sending out like bad negative energy about that particular field. And it turns people off. Absolutely. I'm sure you see it all the time. Yeah. I say doctors are like plumbers. There are bad ones and good ones. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, it's very true. I mean, I think, look, I think you, I've said this before, like you kind of have to know, you have to be introspective enough and know yourself enough to know what you should be doing, right? I mean, Lisa, how many lawyers tell you that they could never do what you do doing family law? Oh, I mean, every day. Yeah, I mean, every day. Right? Every day. I mean, it's, <laughs> People you know, have a conversation I mean, with look, me. I, I would never do dermatology. Not my thing. I don't do pimples. Like, it's just, yeah. nope, I'm not, <laughs> not I'm not thing. interested. <laughs> like, it's just not my thing. But, but I know it's not my thing, right? And I, the funny thing is, I, I, you know, some, do you ever feel like sometimes dermatologists get like this bad rep, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like they're like, for some reason, let me just say this, for some reason, like the general public thinks that if you're not taking care of people in an ICU or you're not, and I'm going to say me, like people think cardiologists are like, you know, the highest of the high of the high. If you're not an open heart surgeon, if you're not a cardiologist, if you're not that, like you're not quote unquote a real doctor. Let me tell you something. Dermatologists are typically the top 10% of their class. It is very, very difficult to get a dermatology residency spot because they're very sought after. And so most of the time, your dermatologists are actually the smartest doctors in their medical school class, believe it or not. So I, I kind of, it, it irks me as a physician whenever people are like, oh, it's a dermatologist. Like, yeah, that's probably the smartest person in the medical school class. I would never have guessed that. Actually. I mean, I think our number one in our class did derm, actually. Dr. Tiffany's got my back. I do. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I mean, listen, do I know a few that I, that I don't particularly like? Yes, but I have yet to meet a bad dermatologist. I mean, maybe aesthetic, from the aesthetic standpoint, I might not like their aesthetic result, but when it comes to just true medical dermatology, you know, like what is this rash causing? I mean, Connie and I, have, we've actually had a patient in common before. Absolutely, because sure. a lot of things that present on the skin, it, it can be internal manifestations of yes. like systemic or external manifestations of systemic disease. Yeah, I remember it was one, it was like a side effect of a medication. I, something happened, she saw you and then I looked it up and I'm like, hold on a second, I think that's from the medication. Like we, wow. we work a lot together. You know, there's a lot of, you know, like, ex, like excess hair growth where it requires a medication that then needs to be monitored by somebody else or sure. autoimmune problems or all kinds of stuff. So to be a true, real medical dermatologist, you've, you've got to know your shit. 
It's not, I mean, it's anyone could, not, I don't want to say anyone, I don't mean it like that, but you know, everyone thinks, I should say, that they can just inject you and do this. And you see it on Instagram, like the, the nurse practitioners, the PAs of the millennium, like doing all oh these God. injectables. But, yes. you know, a we're going to talk about that in a, a minute, tr- Connie. I, I have a major question even about that. Deal. But a true medical dermatologist, it's very, I mean, they are very, very smart. And they, because people come in my office, and I'm a concierge doctor, right? People come with a rash. I'm like, go see Connie. How many times have I done that to yeah. you? Because concierge patient, I'm like, Connie, I need you to you. see them. Today, like, she does. and she does, and but she does because that's not what I. I have no freaking idea. I but don't know. But it's good that you know what you're good at, and it's also good to know what you're not good at. Well, I mean, I refer people out all the time for issues that I don't. Touch. But it's good to have relationships professionally with people where I. This is my concierge patient. Connie's not getting paid extra to see them the same day, but she does because right. it's the it's the professional. Going right. back to like seven episodes ago when we talk yes. about professional relationships and not burning bridges absolutely because you know what she does she gets them in the same day well and not only that then dr connie could gain more patients as a result of that particular patient that you saw absolutely and if that's what the patient needs you know you you do what you can to that's what you're there for right right you know like the person with their botox can wait 10 minutes right i mean yeah guys let's let's be real we understand you're paying cash for your botox but you can wait it's not going to be the end of the world. Sure. Absolutely. No, I think yeah. that that just also, I think, comes down to just professional collaboration. I mean, there's so many professionals, I feel like, in different areas that think they can do it all. We actually have an episode where we talk about the basically the people that think they're jack, jack of all trades. You know, they're, they're an expert in everything, but really you're an expert in nothing <laughs> yeah. because you think you can do everything, but the reality is you're giving a little bit of yourself to all these different subjects and right. you're not mastering anything. Right. But, you know, you, I mean, I laugh because there's so many lawyer buildings. You know, I practice family law and bankruptcy and real estate and MedMal. <laughs> med yeah. Like, remember, we saw that one person, like, Medical how do you do family law and MedMal? How the hell does that even, like, that'd be like me doing dermatology. It like, doesn't. What? But people, you know, they, they put themselves out there to be an expert in everything. And it's confusing, I feel like, to the, the everyday person that's searching for the appropriate lawyer or the everyday person that's looking for the right doctor. You want to find someone that is an expert in that field, and they really are. They don't just pretend that they are. Absolutely. They're, yeah. Um, it, I think, you know, the best source is just to go by referrals, ask around. Um, Not Google, Dr. Connie? Not Google? <laughs> well, you can Google. I mean, I'm use <laughs> all, your, all your resources, you know, to your advantage. I say read reviews, ask friends, family. Um, I, you know, I, honestly, we get a lot of referrals from other physicians, Dr. Tiffany included, um, you know, but a, a lot of our patients come from patient, other patient referrals. Right. And then it's easier for you because you don't have to go through the whole spiel from the beginning because the person that referred them already told, how, told them how amazing <laughs> that you are. I love that. That's like my personal favorite. Oh, I know he referred you. Okay. Well, we're just going to skip to round two. Then. <laughs> Forget round one. <laughs> my question I wanted to ask you, Dr. Connie, and this came up a couple days ago when I was talking to my husband. I, and this is a new thing for me to see, and I'm curious if maybe it's just been out there and I just never paid attention to it, which is possible when it comes to medicine. These dentists that are now doing all kinds of facial fillers and Botox and Juvederm and you name it, like you're getting your teeth clean and all of a sudden the dental hygienist comes in and one time I went to an office, not kidding, total true story, they brought a menu out. And they asked me if I was interested in any of these services. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm here for a dental cleaning. That yeah. is it. I literally almost fell out of the chair and wanted to run out to my car. What's going on with that? I'm not sure. I went to a podiatrist once that did Juvederm. And I was like, okay, you're a podiatrist. Oh, wow. Um, but, you know, I'm sure, look, it, it, 
for me, it doesn't, it takes skill to know where and how to inject. Um, but you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You have to have a good eye. Um, but where you do need the medical background is if something goes wrong and things can go wrong and things have gone wrong. So if things go wrong and you call your, you know, med spa or whatever office, um, who doesn't have a doctor on site and they've injected in, 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 into an artery and you're getting necrosis, what do you do? You know, and so you need someone that, that can not only, you know, aesthetically get you to where you want, but to also do it safely. So what happens in a situation like that? Is that a situation where you're, somebody's calling the ER? Like you're, you got an ambulance at the, at the it's pretty med bad. Spot, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty bad. People I mean, people out, right? get, well, people get necrosis or like basically, um, like, dying skin cells um, in the area. So if they inject into infraorbital artery, let's say, in your cheekbone, you'll get an ulceration that's the size of, like, a small baseball on your face. Oh, my God. That's yeah. instant, usually? Or it takes it a little takes while a, to get there? It takes a couple days. You'll get modeling at first, and then you'll get ulceration and skin breakdown. And then it results in permanent scarring, and patients have to undergo m- multiple laser procedures and things like that to kind of you know, reverse the damage. And but, that's all because they wanted to get the 20% the coupon same, at the med spa, it's right? It's the same thing at plastic surgery centers. You see it all over the news in these little, like, shopping centers in Miami where they have, like, these little oh, plastic yeah. surgery centers. You know, we I do some med mouse stuff, and it's the same thing. It comes across... It come, comes across the firm all the time where it's like, my nipple's falling off, yeah. and this or is necrotic. and cement. They, yeah, you know, like, I, I did a Brazilian butt lift, and this happened. And it's like, holy crap. And the, what happens is they call the plastic surgeon's office, let them know what's going on. They don't even get to talk to the surgeon half the time. Well, I'm, you know, obviously, I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm speaking for the cases I've seen. Sure, It's some generally. administrator or assistant to the doctor who's like, oh, it's all good, hun. I'm like, first of all, oh, no nobody no should hun. be calling anybody. <laughs> hun when it's like yeah. professional right so oh God, it's okay no. hun I'm gonna let dr. so-and-so know send us pictures and they send pictures and it's like oh just rub some neosporin on it meanwhile her nipples about to fall off and Holy the breast cow. is about to fall off that's Connie's point like you need to have someone that you know for sure there's going to be a direct communication with that person should you need it I mean absolutely I just saw one at Broward General it was a post-operative like tummy tuck infection she had called multiple times couldn't get through to the guy so she gets admitted to, Bra- you know, Broco General. She gets admitted to Broward General. I pick up the phone and I call. I, call. I was like, this is Dr. So-and-so. I need, I don't remember. The, I'm just making up names. But like, say Dr. Smith, right? Sure. So I was like, I need to talk to Dr. Smith. And like, okay, hold, please. And he comes on the phone for me because I'm the doctor. Because I'm like, I'm at Broward General and I have your post-operative complication patient yeah, now sitting what? in the telemetry unit. Can you what please you call do me now? back? <laughs> so then he calls me. He's like, I'll be happy. I'll be happy to see her. I'm like, yeah, I bet you would, Yeah, dude. you would be happy. Like, WTF. And then the woman's like, how'd you get through to him? I was like, I don't know. I guess because I'm a doctor. And he, because you know, the first thing I said, obviously, I was like, this is Dr. Sizemore. I'm a cardiologist. Like, head start exploding, yeah, right? Because it's like, how did she die? Did she code? Like, <laughs> what so that's, happened? That's the first thing I say. My residents are cracking up. They're like, we noticed that you said cardiologist first. I go, yeah, because that guy shat himself <laughs> and come running to the phone wondering what happened, right? 
but it's true to her point like it's like um what's my life you know insurance today? yeah i mean listen if you're it's kind of like when i got my lasik surgery right i'm not looking for the dude who's giving me a discount on my vision yes, right yes, i'm looking i'm this. looking for the guy that all he does is, is lasik surgery, surgery. Yeah. all day yep. all day every yep. day because my friends made fun of me for that if you remember i talked about this because like you're going to that guy that advertises i'm like that guy that advertises does ten thousand of these a year so yes that's the guy i'm going to because that's all he does but I don't you want to the guy I don't want to go the guy that does retinas all day long and happens to do a laser you know eye surgery once a month or we talked about like Bogo remember like the guy that'll yeah, give buy you, when like, I get one I'm free like I'm cool off the yeah. second I'm cool <laughs> yeah yeah you don't group on your face yeah no <laughs> wait well that brings me to another point a friend of mine at the hair salon the other day we were chatting and he was saying how one of his friends or friends of his girlfriend I can't remember got her first round of Botox at Blue Martini at a Botox party where nobody was supposed to be doing Botox at Blue Martini, but they that were all super sterile. having drinks and all of a sudden the needles were just going around. Everybody was sharing oh the needle gosh. with all the Botox. I'm like, what do their faces look like? I'm thinking... <laughs> Damage, major. Do you ever see that? They Not talk about to that. mention communicable diseases. Oh yeah, Disgusting. of course. Yeah. All right. So tell everyone your Instagram, the practices Instagram, how they reach you, your office, all that kind of stuff. So we're at www.zrockderm.com. Z R O C D E R M. Our phone number is nine five four five six four zero zero four zero. Instagram is zrockderm. Yay! Big round of applause for Dr. Connie. Thanks for having us. This Thanks is for fun. Us on. And yes, people can you. like find you on Instagram and ask you all their you know questions that you're not going to answer because it's not a medical service. Yay! Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hey, everybody. Make sure you all stay healthy and stay grounded. Bye. 